Hi, this is Dion Baig from Butler Mortgage. We're currently ranked the number one mortgage brokerage in Ontario and number two in Canada. And much of our success is due to the fact that we help clients acquire multiple investment properties. If you'd like to talk with a mortgage advisor who specializes in investment property, you can reach me at 888-684-8326. To learn more about what's going on in the world of investment property financing, check out episode 23 of the Breakthrough Podcast, where I discuss the topic with Robin Sandy. Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast, episode 78. Hello and welcome to the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. We put this show together to inspire you and help you break through to the life that you want to live through the power of real estate investing. My name is Rob Brake. Here with me again is Sandy McKay. Hello, Rob. How's everything going today? Oh, it's going great. How about you? Always great. Always great. Excited to do another one of these. And uh, yeah, I think this is going to be a unique one. There's something we haven't really talked much about. So we're, uh, I'm pumped for this show. Me too. I think it's going to be a good one as well. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff that we haven't really touched on, which is, you know, it's getting kind of tough, but I uh, always like it when we can do that and provide some new content and, uh, uh, to everybody listening. Absolutely. So first off, everyone should go to our website. Go check out our website breakthroughreipodcast.ca. There you can download uh, any of the episodes or any of the shows that you like, and you can also comment, and we've got links to all the social media. You know what they are. And grab the, uh, the ultimate strategy for building wealth through real estate. Grab that report there. You can uh, throw your email in, sign up for our email list and get that free report. You also get access to some other stuff, and we're actually really in the, in the process of, uh, of revamping a lot of the email uh, content that goes out and making sure that you actually get updates for every show that goes out and and also some extra stuff. We do some events here and there around, uh, around mostly around the Toronto area, greater Toronto area and Hamilton and out uh, east of, east of Toronto. So we get start to get some more updates on that and, uh, some, some, uh, some opportunities for you to come out and meet us, meet some, uh, some other people who are listeners to the show and, and learn more in person about all this fun real estate stuff. And as well as that, you should probably go over to iTunes and rate and review the show. If you have uh, some constructive criticism for us or just want to tell us how great the show is, then yeah, go on over there and log in and then just tell us what you think. Appreciate everyone that's done that. I'm not going to do any uh, reading of any of reviews today, but we really do appreciate them and they do keep rolling in and we got a lot of five-star um reviews so i just want to thank everybody again right now we've got 160 five-star reviews and some other not so good ones but uh you know what (laughs) (laughs) i just even if even if they are constructive criticism i really do appreciate them so it's good uh what's new sandy what's been up what's been happening with you what's been happening just uh rolling with uh business and investing and everything. <laughs> I don't know if there's anything specific to touch on today, but we're just busy, busy with real estate. I mean, it never ends, right? There's always opportunities to jump on in that. And so 
busy with all that, some projects on the go and uh, keeping growing our, our team out here in the Hamilton areas. And like we say, I think it's somewhere in the shows at least, but if anyone else out there is in, in our area out here and wants to connect or, or uh, get into real estate actively, then we'd love to talk with you. So mm-hmm. don't hesitate to reach out. Don't be shy. Well, I'm doing something weird, Sandy. I, I actually is, bought, tell me. I bought a house for me to move into mm. uh, rather than some other people to move into. It's so, not the way it's supposed to be. You're supposed to just keep uh, keep small and, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, the family's getting older, getting bigger, and uh, and we're running out of room, so we thought we would uh, maybe go a little bigger and better. The only thing is, what's that? Oh, it's hard to find time to do that stuff, right? When you're buying other properties, it's always hard to, to do your own. Push to the side. Yeah, exactly. While, while all the little details in this house get taken care of. Where, you know, I, moved, I lived here for nine years. And, um, and every time we would do a rental project, my wife would say, well, how come, you know, you haven't done anything at our house? Yeah. And uh, that, that carried on. That seemed to be the case right up until we decided to sell. And then... We had the burst of getting everything done and ready to go on the market, right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, Enjoy it for a month. I was actually just, we're moving um, six doors down on the same street that we live on now. And uh, and I was walking down the street and this is one of the houses that I've always really liked. But I noticed that the driveway retaining wall had fallen over. And I walked by it a couple of times and no one was fixing it. I'm like, eh, you know what? I'm going to go and I'm going to put a letter, uh, one of my yellow letters at that house. And then sure enough, about a month later, the guy called me and, and uh, it went from there, you know? So yellow letter. Did we talk about that on the show? Some, we must've talked yeah, that must've been early on. Have. I mean, I know that uh, uh, Rich Danby and, and everyone else that we've talked about wholesaling and private deals we, has talked about that, but, <laughs> Yeah, basically, I just wrote on a, you know, I I have, I have a whole bunch of yellow letters still, but uh, so I just drop one of them off. But basically, it's just a letter that says, "Hey, look, if you're ever interested in selling this house, then call me." And sure enough, it worked again. It's worked for me lots in the past, but I've sort of taken up different marketing strategies since becoming a realtor, right? So, right, uh, it's been a while since I've been using the yellow letters, but. That was interesting. It was it one still of works. Things. Still works. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's a good strategy for someone starting out or anyone really in looking to buy some deals. You can send those out. You can do mass marketing campaigns with that, or you can pick and choose the uh, the ones that look interesting for you. Use the ones that need repair or something from the outside is what we used to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know you've bought other deals that way, so it definitely works. Yeah. So we're super pumped, anyways. And, uh, and, um, may still keep the house that I'm living in here, but we'll see. It's up. For cool. Well, uh, anything else or should we get into the interview here? Yeah, no, let's get, let's get into it. Cool. Well, really excited to have Jeff Romanski on the show today. Jeff is, uh, is an insurance broker. Uh, Jeff has been uh, in that industry for, for it looks like, what, about 12, 13 years or so, he joined RBC Insurance to begin with and uh, helped hundreds of insurance advisors grow their business, providing them with advice, consultation, training. Uh, nine successful years at RBC Insurance, and then he decided to, to finally pursue his dream and start his own firm to help professional exec- executives and owner-managed businesses with their individual and 
uh, and individual insurance and employee benefits. So Jeff, Jeff probably serves now clients throughout Southwestern Ontario and the GTA. Uh, Jeff's a broker. So, you know, he's working for you and not the insurance company. And something unique about Jeff, he really focuses a lot of his time with real estate professionals and, and realtors and people in this, in our industry. So kind of a cool, uh, cool thing. We don't see a lot of people focusing on that, uh, that niche. And, uh, so that's cool to see. And Jeff resides in Grimsby, about a uh, half hour or maybe not even half hour down southwest of southeast, southwest, I don't know, south-ish of Hamilton. Uh, he's a family man, wife and daughter, and uh, loves to play golf, camping, curling, all sorts of fun activities. And uh, welcome to the show, Jeff. Anything we can add to that? Uh, no, thank you, Sandy. That's a, a great intro. I appreciate that. Awesome. Yeah, very excited to have you here again, Jeff. Uh, thanks for being here. The topics we're going to touch on today, I think, are uh, pretty interesting. We're going to talk about mortgage life insurance and uh, and covering capital gains tax with life insurance. So that's going to be pretty interesting. So thanks again for being here. Appreciate it. And again, I, I agree. It is very interesting uh, to me. I'm very passionate about insurance and uh, one thing I've learned, and, and this is why I'm so appreciative of having me on the show, is sometimes uh, individuals put blinders on on the topic of insurance. Uh, even though everyone knows how important insurance may be, it's just not a priority to think about the uh, the bad stuff that can happen in life and how insurance can help with that. So thank you for the opportunity to share uh, this advice and the value that we bring out of insurance broker in, in, in the industry. So, so you- yeah. Sorry, I was going to say, how did you first get interested in real estate and insurance? Like, how does life insurance relate to real estate? You know what? It's really funny. It's um, it kind of fell out of my lap, to be honest with you. Uh, when I first left RBC and one of my own, my primary market was working with physicians and and lawyers and accountants and other professionals such as that. And what happened, I found, was I worked with a couple um, really good real estate agents who had a need, and they never realized they had a need. And one thing I found when I worked in my primary markets with my doctors and lawyers, I was going against some of my competition who were my past clients when I was a wholesaler. So when I sat down with a doctor and they said they're working with so-and-so broker, I'm like, that broker is actually a really good broker. I've known him for years. He's going to take care of you. Um, There's really no reason for you to switch over to me at this point. When I came into the real estate marketplace, I really just found that there's not a lot of really good advisors like myself that have the experience and expertise to help them with their insurance planning. And it just, every time I met with a top tier producer or agent, it was the same uh, situation. There wasn't an insurance plan in place to help them. And when I start talking about some of the solutions we can bring to the table, it, they were very surprised that some of these solutions even exist. So that kind of just helped me understand my niche. And I've always had a passion for real estate. Um, it is a little more sexier than insurance, real estate. So, you know, it's not uncommon for people to go on MLS and and look at houses, even if they're not interested in buying. Um, So I've always had some of the passion for real estate. I've always liked real estate and it's just a perfect fit. I can't say I've ever gone on the internet and perused uh, life insurance policies. (laughs) Unfortunately, uh, you're like most, right? If someone's looking for insurance, it's probably too late. Um, Something probably happened and now they know they need it. And now that they know they need it, there's not much we can do as a broker. So... It's, uh, that's why, I'm, again, I'm very happy to be here and, and share some advice. And hopefully people will stay tuned in on this, uh, on this uh, podcast and, and not go, oh, it's just insurance and, and, and tune out. So we'll try to keep it interesting as much as possible. 
Uh, okay, so then how does life insurance relate to real estate? For sure. Um, there's, there's a few ways. So the two main ways that we can touch on today, uh, one would be mortgage life insurance. Um, this is something that banks are very good at selling. So when someone goes and buys a mortgage and their uh, banker asks them, hey, you have a mortgage with us. Do you want to buy life insurance with that mortgage? It's a very uh, quick and easy way to obtain life insurance, but it's definitely not the best way to obtain life insurance. Um, uh, a person who buys a home, if it's an investment property or a primary property, they can uh, purchase a personal individual life insurance plan um, to protect their most important asset, which is their home, versus buying it through the bank. And the second way is looking at how, uh, for those that have cottages or investment properties, which many of your listeners do have, how insurance can help with capital gains so they can transition this real estate to the next generation in the most tax efficient way possible. Yeah, I think we're going to touch on that quite a bit later, but that does sound really interesting, actually. So, how, okay, well, how can insurance be used to help with taxes then? For sure. Um, so, I'm sure you're familiar with capital gains, right? I'm very familiar yeah. with capital gains. Thank you. Perfect. Per- Yep. So, and I'm sure most of the listeners are also familiar with capital gains. When you buy an investment property and it grows in value upon a time of disposition, so if you sell it at time of death, when you pass it to your next generation, it's going to trigger the capital gain. Um, if someone is buying an investment property or have a cottage and they want to transfer that investment property or cottage to the next generation, to their children, insurance is a great way to guarantee that there's capital available to pay that tax bill when it comes due. So I can't just gift the investment property to my child? You can. Um, you can definitely give and gift a investment property to the child. Uh, however, uh, at time of the death for a child, uh, or sorry, when a parent passes away and they pass that property to their child, even if they gifted that property to their child at you know $1, uh, the government's still going to come in and, and assess the fair market value of that property, and they're going to uh, look at the capital gains for what the fair market value is. So okay. the government wants their tax dollars. Sort of walk us through then how that works from your end. Yeah, for sure. So what happens, typically speaking, is if I have a client that has uh, you know several investment properties, we sit down and figure out what's your plans with these properties. Is your plan to keep these properties? Is your plan to sell off of these properties? And if you are keeping these properties, are you wanting to gift this property to your children to help set their future as well? When a client tells me, yes, our goal and our objective is to pass along some of these properties to our children. We want to make sure that our children have these properties to help with them as well. What we technically do is we, we have an insurance policy in place that can grow in value. So that way, as that property grows in value and that capital gain increases, there's an insurance policy in place that's going to also increase. So once both parents pass away, the insurance policy can, will pay out immediately to the family, to the beneficiaries, and that will be used to cover that tax bill. And those, what kind of tax bills have you seen? Have you seen some pretty big ones? I've, so the biggest one I've done uh, this year, uh, the, and this is a business owner, has a bunch of commercial properties. Um, and when I sat down with him and talked to him about his capital gain needs, uh, because he had lots of term insurance. He had, he had some immediate needs because he had some loans outstanding. So you have lots of term insurance, but he also runs a family business. And my question to him was, are you planning to leave this business to your children? Um, and he goes, of course I am. 
And I asked him, what's your capital gain exposure? And his answer to me was, what do you mean capital gains? I just need to pay probate. So I uh, basically forced him to call his accountant and his lawyer and start having a conversation about succession planning and capital gains. And it turned out that his capital gain today is $3 million. Hmm. So the day he passes away, if his wife's still alive, all that property rollover to the wife, um, there's a spousal rollover, there's no issues there. But when the husband and wife both pass away and the children now take over all that property, there's a $3 million liability. Then the question comes down to, do you have $3 million of capital of liquid assets that you can use to pay that capital gain or not? And the answer was no, we'll be forced to sell some property to be able to pay that tax bill. Insurance is a great way to guarantee that property can stay in the hands of the children. But let's say for the typical investor, maybe they've got, um, I don't know, two or three duplexes. A lot of our listeners have duplexes. Like So in a, in a scenario like that, what would you say the implication would be? It'd be much smaller, right? So let's say someone buys a property for uh, $250,000, right? And, uh, and they bought it, you know, 10 years ago. How much that property would be worth today? Well, let's say it's probably doubled. 600, 500, 600, maybe 600, let's say, 500, 600. Okay, so let's say it's now worth 500. So there's a $250,000 growth on that one property. And capital gains basically says half of that is subject to taxation. So yeah. someone at a higher tax bracket, right, they'll be, they'll be taxed on $125,000, meaning the tax bill would be roughly 62.5. Right. So on one property, upon death, they're going to need $60,000 roughly to pay that tax bill. And that's on one? That's on one, yeah. And so yeah. I spread that out or even add another 20 years to it or 10 years and you're probably looking at a bit more and add, yeah, add five properties maybe. You're looking at, mm-hmm. you know, you, you can get up to 500 to a million dollar range pretty quick, right? That'll discourage you can. thinking that this is a good idea. <laughs> Well, yeah. it's, it's a good idea for you, right? And, and it's two things that are guaranteed in life, and it's death and taxes. You know you're going to die, and you know you need to pay taxes. So um, while having the, the, the property is great for, for someone like an investor, sometimes when it switches hands to their children, there's just that surprise tax bill that they may not have been expecting. And the last thing they want to do is force them the property to pay that tax bill. Mm-hmm. We may, may have answered this a little bit. Why, why does insurance then make the, so much sense for covering these capital gains? Yeah, um, it's, it's quick and it's easy in terms of the payout. So it's also tax efficient. So what I mean by that is you can have an insurance policy you pay into. And let's say someone buys a $250,000 insurance policy. Um, and that policy, depends on the policy they purchase, can actually grow in value to kind of continue with the increasing capital gain exposure that person has. Upon death, that payout is paid out tax-free. So for a lot of individuals that have investments and, and have money, um, not all the money can grow tax-free and pay out tax-free to the beneficiaries. Within an insurance policy, their investments within an insurance policy can grow tax-free. And on death, all that money can be paid out tax-free to the beneficiary. And the payouts within typically 30 days of death that they have the money in their hands so they can pay that capital gain bill. Um, Jeff, what if I decide then to sell my investment property or investment properties and really no longer need the insurance? How does that work out? Yeah, definitely. It's a good question. Um, 
because insurance really isn't for you per se, it's for your children, right? But sometimes life happens and that need is no longer there, right? So sometimes someone needs that money for themselves um, or maybe they uh, unfortunately outlive their children and there's no need for the insurance anymore. There are certain plans in the market that have a cash survey value. So what I will say with insurance is it can be very complex and that's why I need to work with a broker that can kind of sit down with you and explain your options. Um, but when it comes to this type of insurance, a lot of times there is a value to that policy, very similar to a home, right? So as you own an insurance policy, that cash value is going to increase. And over time, you have access to that cash value. And that actually means you can borrow against it. You can take a loan out and borrow against the cash value and leverage it. Or it could also mean you cancel your insurance policy and you take that cash out for yourself. So again, depending on the policy someone purchases um, and what their objectives are, there very well may be a cash value they can access if they decide the policy is no longer needed for themselves. Well, that's interesting. Okay. Are there any advantages of purchasing an individual life insurance policy over the mortgage life insurance uh, lender offers? Yep. So we're going to change gears a bit. Um, so just to kind of recap quickly, what we just talked about was how to help pay capital gains. And that is a permanent solution. So what I mean by that is you're buying an insurance policy for when you die, right? It's not designed to pay out if you die tomorrow or next year to pay off liabilities like a mortgage. You're going to buy an insurance policy because you know you have taxes that you're going to be hit with upon death. So you want to have insurance for when you die. And that's covered with a permanent insurance policy. And a permanent insurance policy is obviously a little bit more expensive because you know you're going to buy into it and, and invest into it, and you are going to get paid out down the road. Now, a lot of individuals who have a mortgage decide that it's a good idea to protect that mortgage if something were to happen to them. So if they were to pass away, that the mortgage be wiped out, and they can sell the property and not worry about having a mortgage payment for their loved ones. This is more about the what ifs in life. What happens if I die prematurely? How would I pay that mortgage payment? How would my spouse survive on just one income? So what happens with um, the banks and with lenders and even mortgage brokers is they have the opportunity to sell their clients something called mortgage life insurance. And all mortgage life insurance is, is a life and or disability insurance plan that's designed to take care of the mortgage or mortgage payments upon death or disability. The downfall of these plans are, there's actually a lot of downfalls, and we can talk about some of those downfalls in those plans. Um, if you go online and go on Reddit or just type in personal life insurance or mortgage life insurance, you'll see all kinds of information to back up what I'm going to tell you guys. Um, but the biggest advantage of buying an individual policy is ownership. So when you have your own policy you purchase for yourself, you own it, you have control over it. When you buy it through a bank, Really, the bank is protecting themselves because if you pass away, the bank gets the money to wipe out that mortgage. On an insurance policy you own yourself, you get that money and you can do with, with it whatever you would like. Usually the ideal situation is to pay off that mortgage, but you may decide to use the money differently upon death as well. Okay. Any other differences between the two types? Yeah. So just a few of the, the basic ones. Um, with the mortgage life insurance that you get through a lender, the 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 actual value of that coverage decreases over time. So if you have a $500,000 mortgage and you start off with a $500,000 policy, 
And 10 years later, that mortgage is now only worth 300 grand and someone passes away, they're only getting $300,000 paid out. On an individual plan, if they bought 500 grand of coverage and 10 years later, they pass away, they still get $500,000 payout, even though the mortgage is now only 300. Mm-hmm. So that's, that to me is a big one. Your coverage does not decline. Almost like a, a well, it's a, it's a depreciation, which doesn't really make sense. Especially when you pay more for it. <laughs> um, and that comes my, my second benefit is typically an individual plan is less expensive than the plan offered through the banks or through a mortgage lender. Um, so you're, you're, this is one of those rare situations where you're paying more for less, right? Um, when it comes to mortgage insurance, it's a very high profit product for the bank. Um, and again, they, the benefit is it's quick and easy to purchase, but the downfall is the coverage is way less superior than an individual plan. It's more expensive and it's not as guaranteed. So, um, you know, how many people switch mortgages in their lifetime? A lot. A lot. <laughs> a lot. Right. So, so the, the problem with these mortgage insurance plans is a lot of times it's tied to the mortgage itself. So what happens down the road when you want to refinance a property to pull out some equity and you want to switch lenders to get a better rate? Well, you're going to have to give up that insurance and now qualify at a new higher age at a new higher rate and hopefully you're still healthy and buy a new insurance plan at that point when you refinance. If you had an individual plan that you own, that stays with you wherever you go. So you can switch mortgages as often as you want. And it's going to have zero impact to that individual insurance policy that you own. Okay, I like that. Makes sense. So, and people need to understand too that this is a completely different product than just a regular like rental insurance. Rob, you ever you ever bought mortgage life insurance like from the from the bank? No, I no, haven't. me neither. I know a lot of people do that do. I mean, they push it pretty hard typically. They do, and if you think about it, if you work in a bank, you're being trained on how to sell that product. For sure. And because if you work in a bank, you don't you're actually not allowed to sell personal life insurance or even refer to an insurance broker. So they're trying to help people out by putting an insurance plan in place because they know it's important. However, they don't have the means or the product to help you put the right plan in place. Right. Is this your specialty or do you deal with rental insurance and stuff like that as well? Yeah, good question. So in the insurance world, I specialize in the life insurance, disability insurance, employee benefits. I have nothing to do with the home and auto. So there are two separate licenses in our industry. So the rental insurance, the home insurance, the auto insurance, that will go through a, a home and auto broker. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. So two completely different things. So people aren't calling you to say, I just bought a rental property. I want to put insurance on it. I got tenants in there and, and all that kind of stuff. Exactly. I personally would not help them out on that. I'm not licensed to. However, I do have uh, trusted partners in place. I do refer to here and there. Okay. I hear that uh, purchasing coverage through a lender is much easier than buying an individual plan though. Is that true? It is. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say buying insurance is easy um, because it's one of the few things in the world that upon purchase, we're going to expect or want things like a blood check and urine check or even having a nurse come to your home and ask you all kinds of medical questions. When you go to the bank, they ask you four or five questions. Right. So when you go to your mortgage broker and they sell you um, mortgage life insurance through the lender, it's a very quick and easy process. They ask you four or five questions. You answer no to all of them. You have coverage. The downfall of that simplicity is that time of claim, if someone were to pass away, 
they're going to go back and verify that those five questions were answered accurately. And these mortgage brokers and bankers are actually not allowed to expand on the medical questions. If the client has a question, the response should be, you need to go to your doctor to verify these questions are answered correctly. With an individual plan, it is more work, right? So, you know, unfortunately, applications are quite lengthy. Um, you sit down with the insurance broker, you go through the application process. We ask you all kinds of very personal medical background questions. We ask about your driving history and your family history. Um, we put you through the ringer, but we do that so that if something were to happen, we can pay with confidence that everything is disclosed up front. And that's why we may go to your doctor to obtain more information. That's why we may send a nurse to your home to collect blood and urine and ask additional medical questions. Um, so that way, if something does happen, we know we did a good job up front to collect all the data we need to underwrite that policy. Therefore, we can pay the claim very quickly. So banks, generally, they can't, can they or can they not sell an individual plan? They can't do it at all? They cannot, no. So there's something called a bank act that restricts a bank to sell uh, individual insurance at the bank branch level. Um, in fact, they're not even allowed to refer a client outside of the bank to an insurance broker. Mm-hmm. So the banks are in insurance. So for an example, RBC has an RBC ins- uh, insurance channel. And if you ever walk to an RBC insurance branch, you realize it's right beside the RBC bank. However, there's a wall that divides the two. It's a separate entrance, separate store, separate management. And even in those uh, circumstances, the branch itself is not allowed to refer clients over to the insurance branch but they hope that once they walk out of the bank, they see the insurance branch beside them. So why, why would anybody, it, does, does it ever make sense for someone to buy that mortgage insurance from the bank? Like, is that ever, is there a person out there where that makes sense? You know what, here's where it makes sense is, again, insurance is one of those things that it's, it's an afterthought for many, um, where they're getting a mortgage, they know it's a good idea. They understand the importance of protecting a mortgage. They understand the importance of insurance. They just never took the time to sit down or invested the time to sit down to learn more about it. So when they're at the bank, they just don't know any better. They don't realize there may be a better option for themselves. So what I would say is for those that I know that work in that space, um, my mortgage broker is a referring business for the personal insurance. I always tell them to sell them the bank insurance at first. At least that way they have something, but then um, help them understand that they should get a second opinion and likely place a policy with an individual plan that's going to come in a better way. There are a few times, and again, very rarely, where the bank insurance may be less expensive. However, that might be for someone who's really young, and the insurance might cost them 6 or $7 a month, and they have absolutely no health issues because they're young enough and they haven't experienced any health issues yet in life. There are those very few circumstances where the bank insurance may come in at a little bit lower cost, but you pay actually a couple of bucks and you get better insurance and you get better uh, contracts in place if they look the individual. Let's go a little bit deeper into the pricing then, the difference between the two plans. For sure. Um, so with bank insurance, it's one product, right? Your, your buying life insurance is covering the balance of that mortgage. With a personal plan, there's a lot of flexibility, right? So there are different plans out that they can purchase to meet their needs. Um, but I'll give an example of just uh, a 40-year-old couple that I worked with recently. And they did. They went to a bank, they bought the mortgage to the bank, and they bought the bank insurance. And they showed me that they're paying, um, they were paying $185 a month for that $500,000 of coverage. So we were looking at their op- options with us, with an individual plan, and they decided on a 
term plan that is only costing them $45 a month, right? So this four-year couple bought their first home, you know, relatively large mortgage. And, and for them, that, that cash flow of an extra 140 bucks a month was very important. So they, they saved about $1,700 a year with that rate. What about the payouts then? Were they similar? Yeah, so those are both a $500,000 payout. Um, on the individual policy, that $500,000 stays level. It's not going to decrease. So on the individual policy, they always have a $500,000 of coverage. On the bank insurance, that $500,000 of coverage is decreasing as the mortgage decreases. And just so I'm clear, that was $45 each, I'm guessing, right? That was No, that was $45 total per month for this person, oh, for both of them. For both yeah. of them. Yeah, that was a that was a joint plan. So, so again, in that case, a forty year old young couple who are healthy that's a pretty that's a pretty big cost savings for them. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And the other nice thing with this person, this is actually for an investment property. Um, while right now their main concern is having mortgage taken care of, down the road they may want to pass that investment property on to their children, and their needs may switch from being a term insurance need to a permanent insurance need. That individual plan, that term insurance plan. They can actually take that term insurance plan down the road and say, I no longer need the term insurance. I'm now more worried and concerned about giving money to my children upon my death to pay capital gains. And they can switch that term insurance plan to a permanent insurance plan with absolutely no underwriting down the road. This sounds pretty good. I know that maybe people might have reasons to consider this, but I don't need to use the death benefit to pay off the mortgage. That's correct. And in what circumstances would that make sense? It makes sense in a lot of circumstances. So when I do a needs assessment with a client, very rarely is the only need to pay off a mortgage. Um, and I say that because for a lot of people, their their paycheck they have coming in is being used more than just paying off their mortgage payments. So I look at my and my wife's situation, we both make good incomes, and we rely on each other's income to support our overall lifestyle. If all of a sudden I passed away and my income disappeared, my life's income alone isn't enough to maintain the lifestyle that we live, even if a mortgage was paid off. Furthermore, if something happened to myself, my wife may not want to go back to work right away. She may want to take a year off work to grief. So that death benefit to give that, that access to money to be able to take that time off to grieve to uh, replace that loss of income that I had when I self coming in is probably more important than just paying off the mortgage itself. Mm-hmm. So that flexibility is, is huge. Uh, the other, as I say, the other, the other thing too, there's another aspect to this as well that I find is pretty important. And, you know, when you look at mortgage insurance and pay off the mortgage, for those that have rental incomes, you know, when you sit down with someone and they have four or five investment properties, with those individuals, it might just be, hey, if all those mortgages are wiped out and now you have this cash flow coming in every single month, maybe for that type of person, having enough insurance to wipe out the mortgage would make sense because those investment properties, if they're all paid off, will provide the family enough income to survive off of. Well, it's given us a lot to think about, I think, Sandy. <laughs> There's a lot, of, a lot of details in it. I think... Uh... And like you said, it's one of those things that people put off a lot. But, um, yeah. Even I know I could be a good example of it. Everyone could be probably a lot of people could be a good example of it. It's, you don't need it until you need it. You need it, and then it's too late, right? Mm. Um, 
like what what people need to be talking to you or, or somebody about this stuff? Where is someone at in their life where they go, oh, I really need to actually seriously get this going and not put it off? Yeah. yeah. So two parts, right? Number one, and when someone's still healthy, obviously is important. Um, and most importantly, when, when there's dependence, right? So with insurance, obviously there's a lot of products and it's not something that someone goes online very often to say, hey, what kind of insurance should I go and buy? Um, it really is the broker's job to help someone understand what those goals are and what those concerns are and help them understand what products exist in the marketplace. Um, so as soon as someone becomes dependent, so marriage or having children, as soon as someone becomes dependent on somebody else, that term insurance and disability insurance becomes very important because if an income stops, how do you continue a lifestyle? Now, as needs change and evolve, let's say someone has now multiple investment properties bringing in a great income stream, now it might be more of a planning strategy of saying, okay, I know I want to pass this property on to my children and I know there's going to be tax liabilities down the road. The younger you are, when you realize that, the less you're going to pay for the cost of insurance. So as soon as you have that need, the best time to buy it would be at that point. It's always better to buy today, uh, the next best day would be tomorrow, right? Because you never know down the road what health changes may take place. Makes sense. Rob, got anything else on the, on the insurance stuff? Well, I mean, of course, there's tons. <laughs> uh, there's going to be a lot of definitely individualized questions, I think, that people are going to have in regards to this. So they're probably going to have to just get in touch with you personally and go through their own wants and needs. But I think we've definitely gotten a good general overview of how it works. You're not here to bash the mortgage life insurance, um, just to explain the differences, I, I think. And I did not know most of the things that you said. So it was a, sort of an eye-opener for me as well, the differences between the individual and the mortgage policies. Very good. And I, and I think you nailed it, right? Um, it's, it's just really important for someone to go out and work with an experienced broker. If it's myself or another broker, but make sure they work with a broker that's not obligated to sell one company, um, that they can go out and source different carriers and help find the best solution for that client. Um, and in addition, to make sure it's someone that has experience and expertise in what they're looking for. Because there's a lot of products in the marketplace, it's not like I go to a client and say, here's a product you need to purchase. It really is my job to sit down with someone for an hour, understand the situation, get to know who they are, what their needs look like, and then uh, put together a, a summary that outlines some of the concerns they may have and how you just solve those concerns using insurance. Um, so it really isn't a one-size-fits-all solution. Every single person I meet will have a different need and different concerns that keep moving. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, Jeff, could we ask everyone on the company on the show for this, and uh, it can be insurance-related or not, it doesn't matter, but could you give us a quote or... A piece of advice that's always stuck with you and why? Yeah. Um, so I think the, uh, let me think. So a quote for insurance or is it a quote in general? Sorry. No, no. <laughs> insurance quote right here on the, on the air. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'll give you a couple of things. So number one, uh, the piece of advice that stuck with me. And I mean, when I started this business at 23 years old, my boss sat down with me and said, Jeff, if you're going to sell insurance, you have to believe in it. So you need to buy a policy today. And we basically sat down and did an application. Um, and thankfully, I did because when I first bought it, I was completely healthy, had no issues, and my policies were issued standard, no problems at all. As I got a little bit older, I started to have some back issues. If I went to go and buy a disability insurance 
tomorrow, my back will be excluded from that policy. So the piece of advice I try to give everybody is health buys insurance, your money just pays for it. The day you know you need insurance, it's probably too late because that health change is going to prevent you from getting insurance that you need. Jeff, how can people get in touch with you? Yeah, uh, the easiest way is uh, my website is www.secureplan.ca. And uh, all my contact information is there. And as well, there's a link to my calendar. So if someone wants to book a free uh, consultation with myself, they're free to go online and click uh, schedule a meeting. And we can have a phone call and try to figure out their situation and how we can help. Very good. I like that. Do you have a direct line or you'd rather people just go through these? Yeah, you can definitely call my direct line. And my uh, the best number would be 289-455-1492. And if I don't answer, it's usually because I'm in a meeting, but I will try to get back the same day. Awesome. Well, again, you know, there, there's so much more to learn, I'm sure. And we just can't touch on it all in this little bit of time that we have right now. But um, if anyone wants to reach out to Jeff, just go into the show notes and you can see all of his contact information there uh, off of the website. Again, that's BreakthroughREIPodcast.ca. Click on Jeff's episode and then you can uh, contact him in all those different ways that he just named there. Thanks again, Jeff. Really do appreciate you coming on and sharing all that with us. Anytime. I appreciate having me here. Thank you. Sandy, who wants to talk to you? What would they do? So I, this might be different. This might be one of the first ones we've thrown this number out there. But the, the new and best way to get in touch with me is 289-389-6846. And uh, it, should be, it should make me more reachable, actually, than I, than I was in the past. So uh, just give us a call. Yeah, and we can, we can chat about whatever. What is it? Say it again. 289-389-6846. Have you ever looked to see if that spells anything out? Like Tweet Man Sandy or something? Like that? It doesn't, as far as I know. But if, you can, <laughs> if someone finds it out or they want to do the, the, uh, the whatever, not really math, but <laughs> someone wants to figure that out and it may mean something, then that would be cool. And anyone that would like to reach out to me, you can call me at 289 927 0464. A lot of phone numbers there, a lot of info, but, uh, well, you hear mine and Sandy's on the end of every show, except for that one, I guess, Sandy's new one. And Jeff's you can find on his link on the website. So anyway, hope that everyone learned something, and we will talk to you all next time. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Sandy. Thank you very much, guys.